begins in chapter 5. We have, this is, this is um, part 5 of a sermon <laughs> on, uh, that I'm calling Commandments to the New Testament Church, part, you, I do it part E, okay, but, or you can do part 5, whatever, uh, it's the same thing, but um, uh, Commandments to the New Testament Church. And there was a time in my life, and I, I would imagine that other people have done the same thing that I have, that the commandments in Scripture, at least in my life, there were times where I, I looked at them as unattainable goals, but at the same time, something that I would, should try to do. Does, does that make sense? Something that, um, you, you know, uh, God kind of throws, throws out there, knowing we'll never get there, but we should try. Well, that's, 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 a, that's a wrong view right out of the gate. And <clears throat> so, I, again, I, I, I know I've thought that way at times. So I imagine there are other people that think that as well. So uh, there, there was a time that I, I remember actually thinking, oh, well, that's for religious people. How many of you have ever thought that one? Okay. <laughs> uh, no, normal people don't live like that. Well, I have a question for you. Who did Jesus minister to? The religious crowd or to what we would call normal people? Normal people. So these commandments that we're talking about here in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, are they written to the religious crowd or to the quote-unquote normal people? Well, more specifically to the normal people. So these are attainable goals. These are things that each and every one of us can attain to. Now, will we ever be perfect in our lives? Absolutely not. But we can all walk with God. In Matthew chapter 23 and verses 27 and 28, it says, uh, Jesus is going to give us his perspective, if you would, on the religious crowd. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto a whitest sepulchre, which indeed appeareth beautiful on the outward, but are uh, within, full of dead men's bones, and, uh, uh, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now, let me ask a question right out of the gate here, right at the beginning of the message. What is God after in your life? Your heart. He, he is far more concerned what you look like on the inside than what you look like on the outside. And if he can have your heart, the outside just kind of comes along with it. 
every one of the commandments that we've talked about so far. We've we've talked about nine. We talked uh, uh, last week was yeah number nine. This morning we're going to talk about two more. So we're we're after today we're halfway through. But so far, the nine that we've talked about so far are things that each and every one of us need, need to be a part of our lives. I dare say the two we're going to talk about this morning need to be a part of your life. And the remaining 11 need to be a part of our lives as well. Number one, be an encourager. Number two, be a builder. We need to be careful to build people up, not to tear them down. Number three, be aware. Number four, be a safeguard. Number five, be at peace. Number six, be a mentor. Number seven, be compassionate. Number eight, be strong. And then last week, what we talked about last week was to be patient toward all men, all the time, and for any reason. Now, I must say that last week's message must have struck a chord with many of our church people because I had several of of our church family come up to me and say, I needed that or something to the effect of that message was for me. Well, I'm here to tell you, no, that message was for me. Patience is something we all struggle with, is it not? One of the characteristics that we talked about patience last week was that patience uh, is not vindictive. And we talked about Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. It says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall uh, my brother uh, sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times, and Jesus said unto him, I, I say not unto thee uh, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And yeah, you know, we talked last week that Jesus is not saying, okay, uh, you you have to forgive somebody four hundred ninety times, and then four hundred ninety-one you you can lower the boom. That's not what Jesus is saying. We are to be patient. We are to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. The next commandment, number 10, uh, takes that a, a step further. Let's start reading in verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. And now we see number 10, verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning and again that you would change our lives through your word. 
Help us, dear God, to see our responsibility as we try our best to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Number 10, I'm calling it Be a Healer. Be a Healer. See that none render evil for evil to any man. When we are wronged, is not our natural inclination to either fight back, get even, or withdraw? Those are usually those are the three things that we like to do. We either want to fight back, we want to get even. Well, you know, let me let me redefine that. Because when we get even, are we really trying to get even or are we trying to one-up the next per- the person? We're trying to one-up them, okay? Uh, or we just totally withdraw. Now, <clears throat> you, you have to understand that all three of those are actually very human responses. But are they right responses? That's the key. Just because... It is the human response to lash, lash out or to quote-unquote get even or to withdraw. It, 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 just because that's the natural human response doesn't mean that it's the godly response. I read a story recently of a, of a Christian who was handing out gospel tracts like this one. <clears throat> and... He walked up to a man and he handed him a track and he said, and the guy asked him, he says, well, what is that? And he says, well, this is a gospel track. He says, well, I can't read. He said, but I can watch your life. Which speaks louder, a piece of paper or your life? See, way too often we, and I'm not, please, please, please understand, I'm not diminishing the importance of giving out gospel tracts. In fact, we, we have them in the back. We have them uh, out, that's the front. This is the back. We have them in both places, actually. <laughs> um, but but th- these have um, verses on here that can tell you how you can go to heaven one, someday when you die. And, and, and we should be giving these out to people all the time. But what, which speaks louder, a gospel track or your life? Your life does. And so often we, we want to, ac- not accomplish, what's the word? We, we want to fulfill our responsibility to loss by handing them a piece of paper but we don't want to live the life necessary to back up the piece of paper that we just handed them. Romans chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to 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 men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. 
if it be possible, as much that lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, revenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21. Be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to I want to talk about two two verses here. The first one is it, it, it says here that vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. I talked to a friend of mine recently who had been wronged really, 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 really bad. And I I, I talked to him about two weeks ago, and and I said I said hey what what's what's going on with you know this situation. And he basically told me, he said, well, he, he said, he said, you know, the truth is, I've just let it go. I'm not, I'm not going to pursue any legal action. I'm not going to do anything. He said, what's done is done. I'm, I'm just going to move forward for God. And I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because that's not the human response, is it? The human response is, hey, I'm going to get even. But see, he understands, you know what? God can take care of that situation far better than I can. The other thing I want to talk about is in verse 21. It says, be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. I believe that the key to being a healer is found in this verse. The word overcome here literally means to overpower or prevail. So in other words, don't let evil overpower you, but overpower evil with good. And that sounds good. That, you know, that, you you know, I, I mean, we go, yeah, okay, yeah, that, okay. And, and. We, we, we read these verses and we think, okay, okay, that's, yeah, okay. But what does it mean? Don't, don't, don't overcome, uh, uh, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So what, what, are, what is the very thing that we are supposed to have in our lives so that we can overcome evil? And that is the word good. Right? What is what is good? Now it, it would be easier if there was a a better adjective there. Now, wouldn't it be an adjective, a descriptive word, like uh, but overcome evil with scripture, uh, overcome evil with something. Tangible, but for some reason God chose the word good. And oftentimes we read this verse and we say, okay, but then we we stop to to think about what does it mean? What does the word good mean? 
<clears throat> I just lost my place. The one, can you put that verse back up? No problem. Um, as I as I as I thought about this verse and the word good, and really the whole verse, the one thing about this verse that I think is very telling is this verse goes to the heart of what motivates us to do right and wrong. What 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 is the overcoming? What what is the thing that we are we we are going to be motivated to do? So our, our, our motives have to be prominent in this verse. So then what is the good? What is the thing that is good that we need to possess? I am totally lost here in my notes. I had a verse and I, I totally, I don't, I don't know where it's at. I lost my verse. Please forgive me for that. <clears throat> I want to go back to a question I asked you a little while ago. What is God more concerned with? Is, 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 is God more concerned that people who have done us wrong are punished or is God more concerned about your heart? Absolutely. See, God is far more concerned, far more concerned about the condition of your heart than whether somebody, quote-unquote, gets punished for what they did, did to you. And the sooner that we understand <clears throat> that we need to rend- see that we render, excuse me, see that we not render evil for evil to any man, the sooner we get a hold of that, the sooner we can have peace in our hearts and allow God to do the work in other people's lives. There's an interesting concept in commandment number 10. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. This is an individual responsibility that each of us has, but it's also a corporate responsibility. Think, okay, what are you talking about? Look at, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15. You see the phrase in the, in this, within this phrase, see that none... That is not only referring to yourself, but it is referring to other people in your realm of influence. See that none render evil for evil. 
In Genesis, <coughs> excuse me, uh, chapter 4, Cain asks God a question that men have been struggling with ever since. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills his brother Abel. And then God asks Cain, hey, where's your brother? Now, did God know where his brother was? A absolutely. But in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is, where is <clears throat> Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, that's a question that mankind has, has <clears throat> been struggling with for centuries. Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer to that is yes. We are our brother's keeper. See that no man render evil for evil. It is our responsibility to help hold our brothers and sisters in Christ in check when it comes to the commandments of God. It is our corporate responsibility as a church to make sure that we are all living the way we ought to live. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 7, it says, For none of us liveth to himself, and none dieth unto himself. In other words, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> In other words, <clears throat> you are not an island to yourself. <clears throat> the choices you make affect people around you. Your life is going to affect lives. Your death is going to affect lives. <clears throat> we all, <clears throat> excuse me, affect other people. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke and to love and good works. Now, let me stop right here. <clears throat> In Hebrews chapter 10, who is this being written to? This is being written to the church. The New Testament church says, let us consider one another to provoke and to love and good works. As a church, corporately, this is our responsibility. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as their manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How many times have you talked to people in your realm of influence <clears throat> and invited them to church and they said, well, I don't need to go to church to worship God. Is that a true statement? Yes, it is a true statement. I can worship God outside of church. But there's two problems with that. Number one, I won't. But number two, I'm commanded to assemble together. Why? Because corporately we need each other. I talked to somebody this week who <clears throat> is in a quandary. Uh, work keeps him out of church on Sunday mornings. I said, well, why don't you find a church that you can go to Sunday night and Wednesday night, and they, he lives in another city, and uh, he's like, well, that's hard. I said, well, f I don't care if it's hard or not. You need to do it. He said, why? I said, and I quoted this verse to him. I said, you need, your family needs the responsibility and the, the, 
the 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 um, the fellowship. I said, if not, your family will starve to death spiritually. Question. Why does God say it's so important to go to church? He is here. <clears throat> but is it is it so that you can give money to the church? I hope not. The reason why God says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together is because, simply put, we need each other. So number one, or number ten, <clears throat> number one, number ten, uh, number ten, be a healer. Be somebody who's willing to make sure that others will not render evil for evil. Number number eleven, be a pursuer. Look at verse 15 again. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but every but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. This this next this next one this being a pursuer, <clears throat> the word to, the, it's one Greek word, but it's two English words to ever follow. It, it literally means <clears throat> to pursue or to follow. I picked the word pursuer here because in my thinking, it carries the idea of somebody who won't quit. Or, or if they do quit, <clears throat> they don't quit easily. <clears throat> this is, this is a, uh, it, it, at least in my mind, this is a, a hunter who is on the trail of, of a, I don't know, a, a, a buck or, or something that, that they, they, they want that, that deer. You know, it's not, it's not just a, a thing so that they can, they can shoot it and say, hey, look what I got. But this is somebody who, who needs the meat and they're, they are pursuing because it's something that they need to sustain life. That's what this word means. It, 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 another way we could look at it is a, is a police officer who's on the, who's on the trail of some really bad person that is, either going to kill someone or do something really bad. And, and this, this individual is in pursuit of them and will not quit until that individual is caught. That is what this is talking about here. To be a pursuer, ever follow, ever follow. Look at verse 15 again. But ever follow that which is good. <clears throat> both among yourselves and to all men. There are three basic philosophies of life. <clears throat> the first one is what I call the heathen philosophy. And that is, in essence, the survival of the fittest. They, they had the mindset of, well, if somebody treated me well, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to take advantage of them because they're just weak. We all know people like that, do we not? Most of them happen to live in Washington, D.C. Another, another uh, thing that they say is the one with the most toys wins. They, uh, wh whatever it takes without, without any boundaries. They, they are willing 
to do whatever it takes for them to accomplish what they want. The second philosophy is the uh, is the 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 standard or what I call the refined philosophy, and that is uh, do good to those that do good to you. You know, as long as as long as you treat me right, I'll treat you right. Uh, and and again, this is very similar to all 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 of the political parties in our country today. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. I give you money, you you write legislation to do what I want you to do. That's how it works. Unfortunately, that's how most people live. <clears throat> Whatever it takes, but they put some boundaries in place because they, they don't want to go too far. Because after all, God is going to look at my good works and my bad works, and if my good works outweigh my bad works, then I'm going to get into heaven one day. We all know that that doesn't work too good. The third, well, wait, before I go there to the third philosophy, what does Jesus think of philosophy number two? We we all know that, that Jesus absolutely rejects the first philosophy. I mean, that, there's no question about that one. But what does Jesus think of the uh, second philosophy? I'm glad you asked. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 32 and 33, it says, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. So Jesus says, you know what? Hey, the unsaved world can do that. So the third philosophy in life is what I call the Christian philosophy. And that is this, do good to those that hurt you. Love unconditionally. We can even add in last week's message on patience with all men all the time for any reason. This absolutely goes totally against our human nature, does it not? Walking in the Spirit, being like Christ. Look at verse 15 again. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Question. What are you pursuing this morning? What are you pursuing in your life? What are you what what are are you on the trail of that you are just not going to quit? Is it the things of God or is it the things that make you happy? Here we are told in verse 15 that we need to be in pursuit of that which is good. Again, we talked about it a minute ago in the first part of the verse. What is what is the word good mean? 
I believe the answer to that is found in Luke chapter 18 and verse 19. And Jesus said unto him, What callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. So here we are told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, <clears throat> but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to, and to all men. Good. Ever follow that which is good. So what is good? The best answer I can come up with is good is the things of God. Because God is the only thing that is truly good. We should be pursuing God like a hunter would pursue an animal or like a police officer would pursue a criminal. I know, I know guys who are avid hunters that if they would pursue God half as hard as they pursue their, their elk and their deer during deer season, they would make phenomenal Christians. What are you in pursuit of this morning? What is the thing that's driving you? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What are you pursuing this morning? An English artist named George Romney fell in love and married a young, a young lady. But shortly after they were married, he left her in pursuit of his career wholeheartedly. Although he did support her financially, his paintings brought much wealth to the young man, but eventually became too old to work and went back to his wife to take care of him until he passed away. The spirit that his wife showed was, uh, in caring for him was worth more than any painting he ever produced. The sad part is, we often treat Christ much like George treated his wife. We send money. And we might send a prayer now and then. I'm sure he wrote, her, he wrote her a letter periodically. But he was so busy pursuing what he wanted until all of a sudden he realized he can't go there anymore. So what did he do? He went back to his wife. And that's exactly what we do sometimes. We keep, we keep God on the shelf and, and we, we need him when we want him. When we quote unquote need him, we'll pull him down off the shelf. 
the see George spend his life pursuing riches and fame. And after he achieved riches and fame, he found out that they were empty and worthless. And that the love of a wife was more important than any of that. We have a God that wants us to pursue him. Follow after that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, Set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. Now, I want to put these two commandments, number 10 and number 11, I want to put them together and kind of think about them together because that's how they're really written here. They're written in one verse. When we are actively pursuing God, it is far more natural for us to be a healer, is it not? When we are actively pursuing God, our motivations are in the right place. Ultimately, isn't that where you and I need to live? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. What is it that we need to be pursuing? We need to be pursuing God. And when we pursue God, we can be a healer. We can do the things that God wants us to do. Do the things that we need to do, the things that we can accomplish. But just as every one of the 11 commandments so far, a choice is, is needing to be made on our behalf. Are we willing to be a pursuer? Are we willing to be a healer? Are we willing to put forth the effort that, it, that is needed for us to accomplish the things that God wants us to do? At the beginning, I talked about the fact that oftentimes we look at these and we think that these are unattainable goals. We think there is no way in the world I'll ever be able to do whatever it is God wants me to do. But I'm here to tell you that's not true. God wants every one of us to be a healer. God wants each and every one of us to be willing to reach out and affect somebody else's life. But more importantly, he wants us to pursue, to pursue him. We're all in the, we're all, we're, we are all pursuing something this morning. What are you pursuing? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I just ask that you would guide and direct in our hearts and our lives and that you would help us, dear God, help us, dear God. <clears throat> to be more like you in everything that we say and do. People around us desperately need Christ. They need us to 
walk the talk. They need us to live for you so that we can be a healer in their lives. And it's only going to happen because we are in pursuit of the things of God. Help us, dear God, today to put in perspective some of the priorities in our lives. Help us to be more like you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, do you know Christ this morning? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ and you can tell me, say, Pastor, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt if I were to die today, I would go to heaven. If you cannot say that and you say, Pastor, I, I can't I can't say that. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand. I'll see it and I'll pray for you. I promise. Amen. What about you, Christian? Has God put his finger on your heart this morning? Is there something that maybe God has shown you? Could be anything. I, I have no idea what it could be. But is there something? And you say, but Pastor, would you pray for me also? that God would do a work in my life. Is there anybody say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Amen. Amen. Lord, you know our hearts. More importantly, you know the heart behind every hand that was raised and you know the thought, the struggles, the, the difficulties that each of us face. Lord, I just ask as we contemplate what you have for us, that you would give us wisdom, you would give us strength, and that you would help us to accomplish the things that you would have for us to do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.